Hi, welcome to Tent Talks. I'm so happy that you're here joining us. We've got a very important topic today. We want to introduce and talk about in-depth narcissistic abuse and why we need to, everybody, whether or not you're in that sort of relationship dynamic, why it's important for everyone to understand it. Everybody, yeah. I know this term and the word narcissism, we're seeing a lot of that today. A lot of people don't understand why it's so prevalent. Maybe they are in denial that it affects them, but it's very, very important. And to be clear, there's a difference between when we talk about narcissistic abuse, because that could be coming from an individual, but it also could be coming from a system. It also could be coming from a company that you're in. It could be coming from a multi-level marketing thing. It could be coming from the government. You know, like it could be coming from a lot of different entities. So it's not just we're talking about individuals only when we Mm -hmm. talk about narcissistic abuse. It's kind of hard to talk about this topic and it requires some reserves. Yeah. And the reason that I found this topic so important that we needed to talk about it, I follow this woman on social media and I've taken classes from her. I've paid money to go to classes and Oh, during the last couple of elections and everything that's been happening with the pandemic, I've found she has some controversial opinions or opinions that are different from me. And I was saying to myself, Stacy, you can hold the tension. You can hold the tension. But this very last post that she did, basically denying victims, denying narcissistic abuse, denying like how pervasive that can be, I thought, nope, this is where the buck stops. I'm unfollowing you because I can't hear this kind of propaganda because it's important for everybody to understand this kind of abuse because laws are made according to whether or not we believe victims. The society is set up whether or not we understand this. And so when people don't understand it, they are being victimized on a large scale and it's influencing people's lives. And it is hard to hold the tension and the understanding and listening to victims because it can be really triggering, but it's important to know what this looks like because it is affecting you. The whole thing it creates is this confusion, right? Around like who's telling the truth and why we're discrediting targets or victims because, you know, we say things like, well, how do we know they're telling the truth? It's true that we might not know in that moment, right? We might not know. But saying, I believe you, costs nothing. It doesn't mean you're required to do something to somebody that is complaining about this or feels like they've been a target. It costs you nothing to say, I believe you. And that's really important. You know, even if this person is perhaps a, you know, narcissistic themselves and are creating the false narrative because that's why it's such a problem is because it's not the targets who are throwing around this term. It's the narcissistic people who falsely accuse, right? I've never met a person who doesn't carry narcissistic features to use this lightly or to accuse somebody of abuse without deep pain and struggle, they more than likely minimize it and are designed to take all the accountability, which is a byproduct. I feel like a lot of big educators are recognizing that this is such a huge problem in all of our systems and our governments, that we're all falling victim to this type of narcissistic abuse and emotional manipulation. HBO is doing a mini documentary series that's being released later this month. And it's about how the laws for reporting domestic abuse got changed in California. So it used to be about one to two years, a victim could come forward and say, I was a victim of domestic violence. And there was recently an extension in the law where it got moved to three to five years. And this is really significant. 
And the reason that it's significant is totally body-centered. And so people like Brene Brown, for example, she wrote that book, The Atlas of Emotions. She's trying to educate the masses on how to have emotional intelligence, because it all comes back to the self. You Mm. find your way out of an abusive situation, or you even begin to recognize that you're in an abusive situation by connecting to yourself and to your body. Of course, everyone wants external help and support. And while we do need that for healing and we deserve it, a lot of people are looking for a fix-it solution, saying there needs to be better laws, there needs to be this. And while that can be important, you know, the body is the law. The body says what is okay and what's not okay. And that's really core for people to believe ourselves, to educate ourselves, and to empower ourselves to identify what our boundaries are and to set them and maintain them. And those are hard things to do, for, especially for somebody that's been in a relationship, an environment like this. It takes a long time to figure out you've been in an abusive situation. And the reason why it takes a long time is because, number one, to get out of a relationship takes a long time. People often throw back, why didn't you leave? Why did it take so long? That's a very complex question because when you leave, you are in more danger. Often abusers get a lot more violent right before they take the fall or, you know, lose their partner. They become very violent. And so it becomes and even emotionally violent, like it's not always physical. They are very clever and they study things like the law and how to evade consequences. Yeah. So to even leave an abusive situation takes a long time. And then beyond that, you feel so bad after you've left an abusive situation. You have to go through the emotional roller coaster of recognizing that it's not your fault. Mourning the loss of that relationship. Yeah, because you love the person and you've lost that relationship, but you feel really bad. And so a lot of that feeling bad is directed back at the self and you How have could to I have been so stupid. How could I have been mm-hmm. so blind? You know, I, I'm not a victim is what a lot of targets complain about. Yes. And so then stepping out of that victimhood into a place of empowerment and saying, no, I was a victim. And that's not why I feel empowered. I feel empowered now because I figured out yes. that I was a victim. Yes. Yes. People think if I accept my victimhood, I will lose power and, you know, I'll stay stuck in this victimizing self mindset. It is the only way to heal. You take your power back when you recognize it. Yes. And so when you finally get to that place, oftentimes it's taken so long because you had to reconnect with your body. Your body had to reassociate with itself. You had to go through stages and levels of healing and then actually remembering the trauma. Remembering. That takes years to remember and and piece it together. Yeah. That's why narcissistic abuse is so dangerous because it involves extreme gaslighting and psychological abuse where targets do either dissociate that memory or they've never been able to really know what to believe about reality. And so, Mm -hmm. yes, it takes a long time to reassociate what was real and remember, like, have the mind feel safe to kind of uncover these things. So to make it a little bit more digestible for the audience, let's just talk about some of the traits or like how you know you're in a relationship with narcissistic abuse. And again, that could be a a singular abuser or a system. Yeah. And and I want to clarify too, that you can experience narcissistic abuse and have your partner deal with a different kind. Like sometimes they have obsessive compulsive personality disorder, or they have borderline personality disorder, or they have just very complex trauma And maybe they wouldn't quite fit a diagnosis for narcissistic personality disorder, but they still use a lot of the same tactics. So I want to clarify that. Okay. 
So we were talking beforehand on how to really introduce this topic, where to jump in. It is such a broad issue and it encompasses so many different aspects of what I consider abusive behavior and manipulation and basically psychological control that it's really fragmented on how to introduce it and how to really educate concisely. We just have a big problem with that. Unlike sexual abuse or physical abuse, right? those have clear, concise examples. X, Y, and Z equals this type of abuse, where narcissistic abuse is manipulation of the psyche of the emotions. And it's a lot less tangible. Yes, it's invisible to a lot of people. It's really big and really hard to explain. And you get people just kind of coming in in this state of disorientation, like they don't even know how to put it into words. They don't even know how to tell somebody the kind of desperation and constant assault they experience. And I feel like for several people, especially people who identify with being a big feeler or empathic, you can find yourself easily in these situations because people who like to use narcissistic abuse as a tactic, they look for people that they can abuse. So those people would be the people who are in touch with their emotions. They are the people who are feelers, because they want to make sure that things feel good. And that, you know, yeah, they're already doing work, they're already mm -hmm. invested in that. And so to be able to manipulate and abuse those people is like a high reward. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it makes them yeah, feel, I think it, it, it elevates them too, because they have this person that's a do-gooder or, you know, by their side. And so there's lots of reasons why you might have been targeted by somebody that is narcissistic or, or has another, you know, personality disorder that that uses some of these tactics is because of course, they get something from you. And, you know, that doesn't say either that the the target in that scenario doesn't also have some toxic stuff to work through, right? Let's just make sure, you know, there there's a collective accountability always, but we can't really heal in that environment. And so the reason why it's so damaging is because it doesn't allow the target to heal. The narcissist wants to make sure that doesn't happen. And so there is no empowerment, you know, there's there's a big threat to that. And so doesn't mean there's not shared accountability in some ways, but you can't move forward until you have. You cannot move forward until you realize that you're being victimized. Yes. In the Divorce Guide podcast, they specifically point out, do not go to therapy with your abuser because the relationship is the client of the therapy session. So if you're seeking therapy, go to therapy by yourself so that you can actually have a safe place to say, I'm experiencing these things. I'm confused in a relationship. I'm feeling manipulated. I'm feeling unsafe. I can't quite tell. And that way you can give some examples to a therapist. And if your therapist doesn't have a foundational understanding yeah. yeah, of abuse, then that's probably not the right therapist to talk to. Because we're all waking up to how pervasive and how big narcissistic abuse is. Yeah, I mean, to give a context, I went through my whole program and my entire internship and never identified this or learned about it. And so it's shocking that, you know, and that wasn't that long ago. So, so even professionals are a little bit in the dark 
and and many of them do not have a good foundation or context in what they might be looking at, especially if you go in as a couple, like you said, and they can be easily also manipulated to play into the narcissistic narrative. Basically, a narcissistic person will kind of skew the reality and keep, again, keep the focus often on the target, what the target's doing. And again, they're so conditioned to carry the responsibility that they go along with it. And maybe they're just so grateful they got their partner into therapy in the first place that they don't want to sabotage that, you know, and then the therapist is just kind of not, maybe not being helpful and maybe even reinforcing that dynamic in a secondhand way, further traumatizing the target with some gaslighting or minimizing or whatever. Yeah. And we just bring this up because we're still learning about it. We are not the pros on it. And yet you might be hearing this topic all over the place because I think largely after what's happened with the Trump administration and going through the election and going through COVID, we're seeing how confusing it is to be in a narcissistic environment and experiencing abuse. There's so much confusion, which brings back the importance of connecting with your body, because you're going to be hearing a lot of really strong narratives, it's going to be coming from everywhere. But the important thing is that you're able to figure out your truth. Yeah, among all the chaos and confusion, because people want you to believe yeah. certain narratives. And that can happen on a large scale with like politics, or it can happen in a, a relationship at home. Narcissistic people, they use this tactic that everyone needs to know called divide and rule. And again, they may not be so consciously aware, all of them that they're doing it, some have developed awareness and know they're doing it. But they play people against each other. They pit siblings against each other. They create alliances within. And if they can get these smaller groups warring with each other, then they feel more in control. They can swoop in and maybe like break up the argument or, you know, be the rescuer. And they get a lot of control and power out of that. And so obviously, like you said, we saw that with the Trump administration the divisiveness that was created in the country. And people can, you know, chalk that up to other things, but this is what narcissistic abuse does. And we don't even know why we're hating each other. We just are playing into it. Mm -hmm. If you find yourself in an environment where there's lots of dividing with certain topics or who's making more money, you know, or who's more religious, you know, like if you feel competitive, it's a very, it feels very competitive and, and hierarchical. And we feel like, you know, they also use things like isolating us from that connection from even, you know, having good support systems. So if you feel like those things are happening, you might be in a narcissistic environment or relationship. And one thing that I felt was really important is that if you feel like you're always on trial or have to prove something and at a moment's notice have to explain yourself or justify, and then you exert all that emotional energy to like come up with your reasoning, or maybe you write a letter and then by the time you present it, it gets discarded or ignored, or they've moved on and all that work that you did was now invalid. It's, it's those kind of crazy making energy expending activities that keep you busy, but that keep you in a narcissistic abusive cycle. Yeah, these individuals are often they, they have a different drug and that drug is control and they are addicted to it like a drug addict. And so they will do whatever it takes to get that. They call it supply. So when you hear the word supply or narcissistic supply, that's what they're referring to, you know, their drug, their chemical hit. And that's often people, right? So that's mm -hmm. why it's particularly dangerous because people are the supply for the narcissist. And how they can manipulate those people. Correct. Yeah. An example, when you were talking about 
you know, having to explain yourself or prove one tactic they use, even they add pressure and time to that. And so they'll say, well, give me an example right now. And the the target will be disoriented and confused. And they're like, this happens so often, I can't give you a specific example right now. And they're like, well, you can't give me an example, then you know, you're wrong, they discredit you on the spot, because you didn't come up with a specific example right then. And even if you did, they would find some way to gaslight you and tell you it wasn't valid. Deny that yeah. experience. Yeah. Deny, distort, devalue. A true relationship to seek out is connection and good communication and feeling understood, or at least having a partner want to seek to understand you. And people stay in narcissistic abusive relationships because they love that person. But when you do the, not that you're doing tallying, but when you do the comparative accountability, you're realizing that this other partner doesn't have any accountability and they're not doing those loving things. They may have loved bombed you at the beginning, but it's not a consistency through the relationship. The consistency through the relationship is you feeling confused and you taking the accountability and doing all the hard work. And if I do this, then I'll be praised, then I'll be loved, then I'll be good enough. And sadly, this never happens. But people in those situations are conditioned and learn to hate themselves a lot more, right? They don't learn to get love from their partner. They just learn to, you know, self annihilate and self abandon. And that becomes even more dangerous, especially like we've been talking about with health being the connection with the self, the trust in the body, we get farther away from that. Yeah, you want to be able to maintain your relationship with yourself in any relationship that you're in. You want to be able to easily connect in and say, what's going on in my body? How am I feeling? And have that answer be clear, because if someone's taking you so far out of your body and your own reality, that's probably a purposeful tactic. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's hard either way. It's hard to to start waking up and, and seeing this, but it's the growth hard, you know, it's the growth hard. It's, you know, it's trauma and misery to stay ignorant and think this is going to get better. Yeah. It's much easier to come to the truth. The truth will set you free, as they say. Yeah. 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 The hallmark of this type of abuse is control. And we know that control is the opposite of connection. Because like you said, you can't maintain who you are and your boundaries in that kind of environment because a controlling person wants to make all the rules, right? They want to make all the rules and therefore it feels very hypocritical for people. They will hold you to certain rules, but they can do whatever they want, right? They can break them all. They can bend them at will, right? So yeah, if you feel like you're in a very controlling environment, it's very divisive. There's alliances and, and you feel like this person or people just immediately feel like people don't like them because they give them any feedback or then you might be in a narcissistic, abusive environment. So Sometimes with narcissism, you're in a relationship and you're confused. You're confused all the time about the relationship. You're confused, like, what is the reality? Is this person a good person and they just, like, do bad things a lot? Or are they a bad person with just good qualities? Like, you're confused about whether to trust them, what to trust them with, it can be confusing even to be intimate with that person because they might use some of those things against you later. So you don't know if it's like totally safe to open up. But I think one of the biggest things is a general state of confusion. You're, you're in and out all the time. Like, well, they were really nice and things were going so well and we were on a really good streak for the longest time. And then it just switched. Yeah, that's a very telltale sign. Yeah, you have to understand that confusion 
is they will accuse you of the things they are doing. And while it's tempting to say, okay, I can see why I could have some of that, a lot of times that's part of the abuse. Part of the abuse is they're going to blame, they're going to do a shifting of the blame, and they usually find people who are so aligned and integrous that they'll want to take on all that accountability. Or like you hear different words like the empath and the narcissist. It is the dichotomy or the polarized, uh, the polarized effect of they are looking for somebody to take on the blame or to take on the emotional labor of the relationship. To do what they aren't able to do. Yeah. So if you find yourself doing all the work and somebody's just kind of like helping you to keep doing the work, like staying busy, like, well, and I tell this to women all the time, like, how many self-help books have you read? And how many have has your partner read? Yeah. Like, do you seek out therapy and your partner does not? Do you practice like mindfulness techniques and your partner does not? Like list all the things that you're doing for self-improvement and betterment. And if you're in a relationship with somebody who's constantly making you feel like it's your fault. That it's still not enough. Mm -hmm. That's a red flag. Yeah. You're feeling mentally, emotionally, and physically exhausted. Yeah. Exhausted all the time. You're trying to do all these things because somehow it's your fault or you could improve or you're doing something to trigger them. Yeah. I remember one time I was, and this was just a friend, but it was a friend with like, we were kind of in a confusing relationship. And I was showing him this song that I really loved. And in order to not listen to the song, he told me how me even showing him a song by this artist was triggering for him. And you didn't even consider that. I'm like, whoa, how did this turn into me wanting to share a cool song with you to you feeling so traumatized and triggered that you can't listen to this song because it's like just always flipping the script like that. Right. But not but not saying their feelings are invalid, but they won't ask for that. Like a healthier person would say, hey, this this is triggering for me. I don't want to offend you, but I'm not in a place where I can listen to this. And that's a boundary. That's mm-hmm. good. Yes, that is good. But when you... They, they assume the other person is trying to harm them. Yes, and everything becomes about them. And moments that you want to create for like intimacy or shared experience, all of a sudden become about them, their pain, their trauma, how you should have known. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. It's a it's a immediate... They assume the you have the worst possible intentions almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was researching this, I was like, oh, yeah, that was such a bizarre experience to have with somebody. Listen to this cool song. And then, you know, yeah. five hours later, we're deconstructing why I don't ever consider his feelings. Right. And so, like, when you confront them about something they did, when you tried to hold them accountable, heaven forbid you ever use the word abuse, prepare for an onslaught because they won't have it, you know, it's it's in their mind. You are doing what what they would do. You are trying to smear my reputation. You are trying to tell me I'm a horrible, you know, monstrous person. Like, no. <laughs> but that's the way they see it. And that's why they have such a often dramatic reaction to difficult conversations, especially those that involve accountability. Yeah. The ability to take zero accountability and often then project onto you what is really something that they have a problem with. So an example of that is like, you're a monster for trying to bring up all these things and make me feel certain ways yeah. I don't need to apologize. You need to apologize for even thinking that I could be X, Y, and Z. Just that defensiveness and flipping the script, turning the table so quickly. Yeah. And then that projection. And it and it uses what what we call well, I call it fogging because there's a great website called Out of the Fog 
dot website and it lists all these tactics that that are used in narcissistic abuse and fog stands for fear obligation and guilt and so those are oh, kind wow. of the primary weapons that are used right like they'll guilt you especially if they know you're an empathic individual, compassionate individual, you take accountability, they will exploit those characteristics. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's this kind of famous quote, people that say it costs nothing to be kind haven't met a narcissist, because they will weaponize your kindness, and they will use it against you to hurt you. My therapist tells me all the time, the guilt will lessen. Because my family structure is operating off of a narcissistic structure right now. And I feel so much guilt every time yeah. I try to create a new pattern or not do something out of obligation. The guilt in me is so overbearing that oftentimes I will end up following through with something I don't want to do because I feel so guilty. Yeah. And then I, and then like I hear the words of my therapist, the guilt will lessen. It will it will get better over time. I promise. Just yeah. listen to yourself in those moments. Well, we're raised to think that we should carry guilt. That guilt is somehow like, and I when I say that, I mean more of those shame feelings, right? Like if we if we talk about the difference that maybe Brene uses to describe those two guilt, there there can be a healthy function of guilt, but shame kind of like it's all my fault, and I'm not doing enough, and what's wrong with me that I can't X, Y, Z? You know, those types of feelings are generally totally unproductive, and we shouldn't function from those places. Mm -hmm. But we're kind of taught that we need to, or we have to, or we're just familiar with it. Mm -hmm. I also think it's really important to talk about giving specific examples of what gaslighting can look like because it's a term that's being used a lot and it still happens to me all the time. It is kind of crazy making because somebody will share something with you and then you'll like add to the conversation later. And it's like, I've never heard of that. I don't know what you're talking about. And you're you're going to yourself, you're saying to yourself, no, we had this conversation a couple days ago. No, that's, that wasn't me. Or no, I didn't mean it like that. You're projecting, you're putting yeah. words into my mouth. Yeah. I didn't say it like that. And, and I think it's important for listeners to know that while we may have all used those lines, it's also how it's being delivered, tone, right? That... Like, we can all say, hey, I don't really know what you're talking about, and be curious and be genuine. Mm -hmm. You know, can you please clarify, you know, and really be interested in that person's feedback? That's not technically gaslighting. But when you're using these lines to minimize or make someone question their version of reality, that's what gaslighting is. No matter what we say or use, if that's our intent and that's the way the target feels is that this person isn't really trying to understand. They're trying to discredit my reality to, you know, make me feel like I have no validity here and no reason to feel X, Y, Z. That's what gaslighting is. Yes. That's a, yeah. I love that explanation. My reality is somehow invalid. Like I'm making stuff up. Yeah. Because there's kind of this authority outside of ourselves where we often do give our power away. So we would believe somebody above ourselves. And narcissistic abuse teaches you to do that. Trust an outside authority because you can't trust your own because you're not making any sense. Right. And can some of their reality be true? Sure. But again, the way they're delivering that is very damaging and abusive. Like, you know, I had an ex once that would say, you know, just immediately throw out, well, that's just your anxiety. You need to go take your anxiety pills or something like that. And well, could it be true that I was experiencing anxiety? Yeah. Yes. Could anxiety influence my reaction that may not have been 100% sound? Yeah. But what he was doing was gaslighting, not really trying to understand. 
and, you know, work through it with somebody. It's, you know, people's emotions are just a nuisance to these people. And and I'm not saying that these people, like they're bad people, but just this, again, the state they're in is kind of a denial of themselves. And you might hear these words like false self, authentic self. They live in a state where they're operating out of a false self and they have annihilated things like emotional connection and emotional attunement with themselves. And so yours, if you're trying to work on emotional health and mental health, that's very threatening to them. Well, and let's talk about that more. So no one seeks out a relationship with somebody who is a narcissist, but we often find ourselves there because of this term called love bombing. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning, we have everything in common. They've heard of all the same things we've heard of. Yeah. And they're extremely complimentary. And we feel this like, immediate connection. Yeah. Well, that's because they're operating out of this false self where they're just mirroring back to us, and then turning up the volume. So it's like, wow, they love, they love me so much. It's a very skilled process. And, you know, some people that have maybe had repeated experience with narcissists question like, did they like go through some kind of training? Is this like, you know, are they reading from a textbook? Like, because it's very predictable behavior. But I think the love bombing phase is particularly difficult to see because you do experience this thing called trauma bonding. And we're meant to bond in trauma for a reason, but it's a way that it's kind of used against us again to to serve just someone else's individual purpose. I think I was telling you earlier, like, I think most of them do expose parts of their real self. They do open up parts of their authentic self. And so the target, you know, feels this genuine connection at certain points and is really hopeful of that. Well, and I think as somebody who's seeking like a loving relationship, I'll remember that love bombing stage. I'll go back to that. Oh, they were so loving. They were so kind. Like, I know they have this within yes, them. I know they're correct, capable. Correct. We all think it will go back yeah, to that point. Because they they were being so good if and gracious. If we work harder, once we get in this situation, once we get them what they want here, once we, you know. Then- so th- it's a... It's a tactic that they use for control because they know that we want that state again. And so we'll start modifying ourselves so that they're comfortable enough, so that they're relaxed enough, so that they're in a good mood. Like if you're tiptoeing around your partner's moods so that they'll treat people kindly or so that you can have emotional connection adjusting your behavior so that you can get safety. It is a trauma response because if 10 minutes before your spouse or your partner is going to be home, you're making sure everything is clean or things smell nice or there's dinner ready or whatever it is you're doing so that they come home and they're relaxed and kind and nice and nobody's in trouble, there's a problem with that. Yeah. Like even to the degree where you might start doing things you don't want to do. This Mm -hmm. is called Stockholm Syndrome, right? Like you're doing things you don't even want to do, you know, and I think we could even parallel that way out to the Russian soldiers, you know, like they don't want to be a target of this narcissistic system and this man that's very dangerous. So they go along even to the degree of going in and perhaps killing people that they have no qualms with to try to feel safe, to try to stay well, yeah, out it's of danger. Mere, it's right? mere them. Correct. And in relationships, it feels that way. And I think especially with children, like I need to do this thing so that my children can feel safe and so that we can feel safe. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it makes more sense if you've lived it or understand Stockholm Syndrome and, and what that does to people to understand even how spouses – Again, this doesn't have to be, you know, men abusing women, but that's just a more common dynamic where I, even mothers or fathers will even throw their kids under the bus to maintain 
that sense of safety with their partner because they're so just in this state of PTSD. I remember one of my friends, she was describing her relationship before she got divorced. And she was like, I just, I just had so much unwanted sex in my relationship because I knew that my partner, that he would be nice to the children and to me if he just had sex. And she was kind of processing that with how to get into another relationship or what does healthy sexuality even look like? Because I found myself in these situations all the time, like kind of prostituting myself out. She had to leverage that for safety, for emotional safety. For the children. And I learned this yesterday that in the UK, emotional abuse is something that you can be charged for, that that they take that seriously. And in the US, I believe it's just domestic violence. But I want to give a shout out to that episode that I listened to. It's the top eight symptoms of narcissistic abuse. It is on the podcast, the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. And it, it was such a good episode. But there they mentioned about the the UK, how they're actually able to that's making progress. Yeah, yeah. there's progress being made because yeah. people are waking up to narcissistic abuse. Yeah. And we we have to learn about this, even if we're not directly involved with it, because we have to believe victims. Yeah, people don't understand and and how this, you know, again, applies to bigger, bigger systems, but because of their need to control and always have their pulse on everything, this is this is a trauma response, right? It doesn't mean they're just these tyrants, right? But they can be, they will spy on your phone, they will put, you know, they will put cameras in the house, they will do things to maintain this like, awareness and information. So they always know where you're going, they always know where you're at, they they know, you know, they can they can manipulate things accordingly. They're they're very clever that way. And and if you if you are somebody that is on the outside and you're hearing two different versions of the truth, I mean, this is where our bodies are so critical and trusting our instincts and trusting our gut that we've lost touch with because sometimes we don't know who to believe. Mm-hmm. And we have to rely on gut instinct because you believe yourself. This is w- because mm-hmm. whatever, whoever is telling the truth or lying, they're in a narcissistic system because those, those are key signs that you, you don't know whose truth to believe. Yeah. So I remember somebody shared this story about the election and they were like, I don't, I don't know who to believe. Correct. And it's like, well, the point is you believe yourself. You listen to all these arguments or these points of view, and then you inquire within. Yes. And so when we're hearing our friends, people in our circle of influence, when we're hearing them share their stories of being a victim or sharing stories of experiencing abuse, you'll know and you'll feel in your body. But if you've never heard of any of these things before, you might have some questions and that's okay. It's okay to have questions. But Knowing this foundational information can help you then because chances are a lot of your friends or your peers have reached out and said, I'm in an abusive situation and you just haven't known what that is yet. And it's okay to be new to something, but we've really got to learn this so that we can make changes on individual and society levels because narcissistic abuse is all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're really getting away with mass abuse and destruction and it abuses everybody, right? Because when there's a system, even the people that aren't getting targeted are getting used and manipulated often to be even part of their, you know, smear campaign or part of their efforts to destroy this target. And, you know, and that's that's something, you know, victims when you're in an intimate partnership or you have a parent that you might think, oh, they kind of are doing these things and, and who could be narcissistic, that is their goal. I mean, it, it's not maybe a conscious goal, but they will destroy your life. They're seeking for control over connection. Yes. 
And that kills connection, right? Mm-hmm. You control kills connection. You can't have connection with control. And I think, I guess, as a takeaway from this episode, there's probably, if not yourself, there's probably a lot of people in your life that are experiencing this. And to be a safe person, to be an ally, to be an advocate, you have to not be somebody that's going to deny their reality. You have to be able to listen and to gain that that nuance, that tension, able to hold tension long enough to be able to inquire within your body. Yeah. And some people, if they're manipulating you, they are kind of asking you to split into categorizing their partner, somebody as bad. A a true target doesn't want to do that. A true target will always almost like defend their abuser at the same time as wanting to talk about it. And they don't want you to see them as bad or evil or a monster. And so those are some signs to look for, too. It's somebody that they love. Yeah, they love it. They just want to get help Mm -hmm. and figure this out. They love their partner. They just need help. And they're just looking for somebody to affirm what's happening to them. Correct. And not even necessarily fix it, just... Wow, that sounds... Yeah, I wouldn't be okay with that. Like a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, believing someone doesn't mean that there's suddenly going to be legal charges. I mean, again, the the law has has to operate with some level of evidence-based information. And unfortunately, even, you know, our law, because it is a narcissistic system too, too often throws victims under the bus. We saw that with the Gabby... Yeah people who saw that video knew that she was in distress. Yeah. And I and I do want to give a shout out that I think the officers probably did the best they felt like they could. And they, you know, the ones I watched anyway, were very compassionate and did kind of communicate that they saw these incongruencies. But yeah, I mean, they didn't have anything overt to charge him with. Or, you know, and, and she wasn't in that state of awareness yet. So she went back to the relationship. Yeah. But it's just this idea that if we can all learn this, we can attune our eyes and our hearts and we can know when there's danger and when there's a problem, when to intervene, yeah, when to just listen. Because maybe, yeah, if one of them would have just said, look, I can't charge him with anything, but I sense there's something off here and I think you might be in danger. Who knows how far that could have gone with you know, Gabby or one of these other targets. Yeah. We might want to pick up and do a whole episode on this, but it shows up in the body first, right? It it shows up in the body first. Abuse manifests in the body first. So you get this whole masses of women starting to develop chronic autoimmune issues, that's a sign, right? Why are why are we not educating doctors? Why why aren't doctors getting them in their office and saying, "Is it possible that you're in an abusive or toxic relationship?" High stress, at it, least. Yes. Is it possible? Yeah, you're experiencing trauma in your life. I mean, they you know may not be an abusive relationship, but it just may be trauma. Like we need to start asking those questions and wake up to the body and why it's screaming out for help and attention. This person that wrote this pamphlet that Stacy has called Messages from the Body, one of my autoimmune issues that's manifested from narcissistic abuse is alopecia or hair loss. And those who know me, I wear hats, I wear wraps, and sometimes like it'll manifest in my eyebrows. Some people lose all the hair on their body. And she she writes a bunch about that, what's really happening inside the body. And I just want to read a short excerpt from that. She says, it comes from being heavily programmed to not be too threatening or self-developing in an intensely conditionally accepting family who were highly possessive or alarmed by my power or potential. And that's really, you know, that's kind of what narcissism does. Like it feels very threatened by growth, by, you know, they always have to one up everybody. And so if you're constantly 
even belittled by your progress or growth, those are big red flags. And again, listen to the body. And you may or may not lose your hair. There's lots of ways it it shows up in inflammation in the body, right? It attacks various Mm -hmm. organs and probably for different reasons. But yes, there's... This is just one example. Chronic repeated abuse shows up in the body. Yeah. And yeah, that going back to just why I even wanted to talk about this today is because laws are being created about things that we should just be able to talk about. Like, what is the truth in our body? Let's listen to our body. Our bodies should make the laws. But that's not the case. But maybe one day we can get there. But if we if we just say our body is the law, yeah, maybe then we'll choose differently and we'll 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 choose to take care of ourselves. And this doesn't mean that we don't care about those people, right? It's not loving to let someone treat us that way. Um, it doesn't show them respect, and I think that's important to people understand. It's not it's not cruel or harmful to remove yourself from that relationship. It shows them respect. It says, I don't let you act this way either. You're better than that. Mm -hmm. And the guilt will lessen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I hope that this episode gave some clarity, some insight, maybe provoked you to want to do some more research, understand it for yourself, and maybe for some of your community, you're already aware of it happening. Yeah. And there's a lot of resources out there. Thanks for joining us today. Take good care of yourself.